Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. With the return to our summer series, we realize that we often forget the plot line of God's story, and we need Christ to show us the way back. You are listening to Reason to Believe, The Way, Truth, and Life by Reverend Ruth Boven. Friends, our scripture reading this morning is from John 14. We'll be reading verses 1 through 14 of John 14. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you? that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do not let your hearts be troubled. What a timely message from Jesus. Today, as we think about the matter of truth, I find it really interesting that Jesus' declaration about truth comes in the midst of a time of trouble. Just before our text in chapter 13, Jesus is in the upper room for the last meal with his disciples. Soon, the tension that is filling that room and starting to swirl around in that air as Jesus uh, predicts that, that Thomas, I'm sorry, that Judas will betray him and that Peter will deny him, that tension keeps picking up momentum and swirling and will continue to do so and will grow until their friend and teacher, after being arrested and beaten and mocked, will be hung to die on a cross of shame 
outside the city. In the midst of trouble, Jesus talks about truth, hoping his disciples will have ears to hear. I guess that makes good sense. You know, maybe when life is easy, maybe when troubles seem far away, and the path that we're on is unfolding in all the ways that we hope and dream that it will, our, our quest and our longing and our search for truth just doesn't seem as pressing. When everything's going our way, why question it? But as we all know, Life doesn't always go our way. As we know well, our lives' paths sometimes unfold in ways that confuse us, that frighten us, that cause us grief or sadness or frustration. You know, we don't live very long before we realize this. Even kids know this to be true. I was thinking recently about the many children's tales that I heard as a child that tell of a menacing character who pops up along the pathway of the main character while they're traveling. So, for example, the, the big bad wolf who, who pops up on Little Red Riding Hood's way to see her grandma. Or the troll monster who lives under the bridge along the way where the billy goats gruff need to get to that field to eat that grass to survive. You know, these stories of, of trouble along the path are told not to scare kids, though many of them are exceedingly terrifying. They're told for the purpose of finding truth. Now, some of those fables and tales uh, have sort of a sordid truth to them. But those stories are for the purpose of helping children work their way through a troublesome world. A world that along with beauty and joy and goodness also holds space for menacing monsters along the way. Even microscopic ones. Well, Jesus, too, is well acquainted with trouble. In fact, in the previous chapter, John says Jesus' own heart was troubled. And it seems that Jesus' heart is troubled over the fact that in the midst of this swirling trouble for all of them, the disciples weren't discerning the truth very well. In fact, it seemed like they were missing or, or forgetting altogether what Jesus and his mission were all about. Even though they had been on the path with Jesus for years, learning from him, watching him, observing him moving towards sinners, the outsiders, the despised, the hungry, the suffering, even though Jesus had clearly demonstrated them to them the radically upside-down nature of God's kingdom, here in our text, it seems they've lost the plot line. Judas seems caught up in the false notion that 
he could secure his own future with a good financial portfolio. Peter seemed to imagine that the way of truth would unfold without controversy or challenge. Thomas and, and Philip in our text seem completely confused about where Jesus' mission is taking him. And where is God in all this? And friends, these were Jesus' closest friends. They were his dearest companions, the people with whom he had shared the most about who he is and why he had come to, to earth and what he was there to do. If even they had a hard time holding the plot line in the midst of trouble, maybe it's not surprising that sometimes we do too. You know, as Christians, we are concerned about many things. We're trying hard to manage our lives and our finances and our families and our health and our safety. At the same time, trying to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. Even as the monsters of COVID or cancer or unemployment or racial injustice or depression or uncertainties about the future menace our paths. Well, that's why we can be deeply thankful today that Jesus, in our text, addresses troubled hearts. And Jesus does that by talking about the truth. You know, there's much to say, of course, about what truth is. But this morning, we'll focus on three ways Jesus points to the way of truth that leads to life. First, Jesus indicates that to have the truth, we must begin with God. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Jesus begins with God and we must too. As we consider what truth is, we think not only about our beginning in God, about God creating this world and everything in it, we think about why God created this world. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. God created the world to have a family, to have a people, to have a household with all the many rooms filled to the brim. The Greek word John uses here is oikia, which means house or dwelling or family. When we are searching for the truth in the midst of trouble, we begin with the God whose love overflowed the boundaries of the first family, the first community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and who out of that overflowing love from them started a family. 
We begin with the God who desires flourishing and blessing and hope and a future for all people. Sometimes in the midst of trouble, we can lose the thread of God's story and we can get lost and turned around in our thinking. But Jesus points us back to God who made all people in love and who is able to keep us all in love. You know, the Bible makes clear that there is no trouble, no monster big enough to prevent God from gathering and blessing God's expansive family. I've been reading a book called The Very Good Gospel. In it, Lisa Sharon Harper, who is in activism for uh, racist uh, activist against racism, she spoke actually a couple years ago at Calvin's January series. She talks about in her book how on the fifth day of creation, Genesis interestingly names the fact that God created sea creatures, which to the ancient mind was also sea monsters. And interestingly, the Bible mentions the sea monster several times. So why is the sea monster such an important thing to mention, she asks. Well, if the sea and the sea monster, which represent the most fearful trouble to those ancient people, are under the control of God, then we, the people of God, are not subject to the worst the deep can do to us. There is no trouble, big enough or small enough, to prevent God from working God's goodness into this world or to prevent God from lovingly gathering an expansive family. When Jesus speaks of the truth, he begins with God, God's good purposes, and God's deep desire for communion with all people. Second, when Jesus speaks of truth, he does not point to a set of propositions or a creed or a moral code. No, Jesus points to a person. He points to himself. When Thomas gets confused, about what is seemingly becoming a downward trajectory for Jesus. And when Philip asks Jesus to show them the Father, Jesus does not give them biblical bullet points or questions and answers from a catechism, as helpful as those things are. Jesus gives them himself. I am the way the truth, and the life. If you want to know God and God's truth, look no further. Jesus is what the living, breathing God looks like. As the noted theologian Elton Trueblood put it, the historic Christian doctrine of the divinity of Christ does not simply mean that Jesus is like God. 
It's far more radical than that. It means that God is like Jesus. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, says Jesus. So what does God and God's truth look like in Jesus? Well, the author and Bible teacher Rachel Held Evans proposes it looks like compassion for the poor, esteem for women, healing for the sick, solidarity with the suffering. It looks like breaking bread with outcasts and embracing little children. It means choosing forgiveness over retribution, the cross over revenge, and cooking breakfast for the friend that betrayed you. The truth of God that we find in Jesus looks very different from the way many might imagine God and God's reign. And even for people who know the story of God's grace so well, it's shocking to realize again that having the truth is less about believing the right things and behaving in right ways and more about receiving and embracing and walking and living the Jesus way. But even that's not the whole story. For finally, it is also true that any ability we might have to follow Jesus' truth, to walk in his way, is because of his life in us, his spirit in us. To be able to act justly toward others, to love mercy, and to be humble and true in our walk with God and with one another is not so much about the truth we have, but about the truth that has us. Friends, the truth is, the good news of the gospel is that the truth holds you. But remember this, Two, that same truth and love that holds you is at work in your neighbor as well, whether you or they know it or not. Which is why we should always be humble in our assessments of others. Garrett Kaiser tells a story in his memoir, A Dresser of Sycamore Trees, The Finding of a Ministry, in which he is at the grocery store buying bananas to take to an elderly man that he visits regularly. Well, in front of him, as he checks out, is a woman with multiple orders and multiple payment methods. Kaiser feels a bit smug about his good deed, while he is sort of judging and begrudging the lady in front of him who is buying what he deems to be trivial odds and ends and doing so slowly. He writes, I watched her 
afterward, walked to her vehicle. Feeling that same uncharitable impulse that makes us glance at the driver of the car we're passing just to get a look at that jerk. She got into the driver's seat of a van marked with the name of a local nursing home and filled to capacity with elderly men and women who had no doubt handed her their wish lists and checkbooks as soon as she'd cut the engine. At which point Kaiser realized how often he loses the plot line and forgets to consider God's great love for every image bearer and God's patient work and God's deep desire to fill those many rooms to capacity. Maybe that's one of the most important calls to the church right now. To help each other keep the plot line. The plot line of the truth of God's story revealed in Jesus. For the truth of our story begins and ends with God, who in Jesus says to us today, do not let your hearts be troubled. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I will bring you all home. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are awed that you have revealed yourself to us in Jesus. Help us walk the Jesus way. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.